become people of the risen King. Let's lift our voices and sing together this morning as we uh, worship in spirit and in truth. Are you glad to be here today? Let's worship together. I see you. 
seated. Well, good morning. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus has done for us on the cross? What you think of that is it should blow us away every time, right? We want to welcome you to worship this morning. If you are a visitor, we ask you to please take one of the care cards. They're located there in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, and fill out your information. We'd like to have a record of you being here. There's a place on the back of that card for you to fill out uh, to check if you want information from the church. We're going to get that in your hands. And so please take a moment to do that. And then also for everyone is a place for you to fill in prayer requests. We want to know about that. Those do go to our staff people and we pray over those. So take a moment to do that as you leave this morning. There are two giving boxes on either side of the double door. Uh, you can leave those there. And uh, we'll get those to the right place. But again, thank you for being with us in worship this morning. A couple of things uh, and announcements uh, you need to be aware of. Be in prayer for our youth and Kevin Knight as they travel back from Snowbird. They've been at a uh, youth retreat this weekend, probably getting ready to leave right now. Also, Pastor and Miss Connie, uh, as they travel back, they've been out to see family and celebrate uh, their grandson Sutton's fifth birthday. And so uh, Scott really felt like he needed to be there. That's Pawpaw. And if Pawpaw's there, then everything's good. So he was excited about that. We have, we're privileged to have a very special guest, guest with us today. Uh, we had no idea uh, what would be going on in the world and in Israel when we scheduled Sam Nadler several months ago. Uh, he is the founder and president of Word of Messiah Ministries. Sam is a Jewish believer in Jesus, and we'll be talking about the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles and how Jesus fits in all of that. It'll be very interesting this morning. Uh, also, there are some things he wants to tell us about what's going on over there, uh, even right now, some things he's heard from of people that he knows over there. So I know you'll be interested in hearing some of that as he comes to uh, challenge us this morning. We will take up a love offering at the end of the service. Uh, if you got one of the folders, there's an envelope in there. If you want to use that, you can. If you'd like to make out a check for that, it's to Word of Messiah Ministries. And we'll have ushers at the door at the end. And I'll try to remind you uh, before we dismiss uh, this morning at the end of the service. Friendly Neighbors, which is our senior adult group, uh, our churchwide senior adult group, will meet this Tuesday at 1130. Uh, there'll be a special Operation Christmas Child presentation with Eddie Thompson being there. Uh, so bring a dish to share. That's some of the best food in Concord. That begins this Tuesday at 1130. Our annual trunk or treat is Wednesday, October 25th. Uh, it'll be, it will be back on our campus this year. You should have an information packet in your Sunday school or community group folder telling you how to reserve your parking space uh, to decorate your trunk. Candy is starting to, to come in. Please continue to donate candy. Uh, I know we'll have a lot of people, when we, when we have that, there's over a thousand people usually that come, and so we want to be prepared as they come. Men, this is your last day to sign up for our men's weekend starting next Friday. There's a table with information sheets and a place to sign up in the, in the lobby. Scott Dry will be back there, our director of uh, men's ministry, if you have other questions. Uh, there are five different areas that you can sign up to be a part of. Uh, one of those is skeet shooting, there's fishing at Lake Norman go-karts and the Mooresville Motorplex, which those things go like 55 miles an hour. They're crazy. Uh, disc golf and regular golf. So probably all of you in here uh, are interested maybe in one of those. Uh, even if you're not interested in those, you can come just to the conference uh, and be a part of the meetings. There'll be Friday night, Saturday morning breakfast, Saturday evening service. Uh, and Mark Logan, who has spoken here many times, my former youth pastor, who is now a missionary, 
uh, will be there to speak and challenge us. It'll be a great weekend. We're going to have some great food and some great time to get to know each other. So please come, be a part of that, get signed up today. Again, that's in the lobby, and today is the deadline. Most of you are probably aware of the tragic events of last week. Uh, John and Terry Gurley's uh, daughter-in-law and three grandchildren were involved in a serious car accident, and the middle daughter, Raylan, who was three, passed away in the accident. Uh, the funeral will be next Saturday here at Pitts at 1 o'clock. We'll be uh, partnering with Redemption Church where Zeb and Ashley are active members. And so this, this building will probably be full. Their, their facility was not able to handle the numbers we think that will come. And so that's next Saturday at 1 o'clock uh, right here. So please be in prayer for that family uh, as they're dealing with that and grieving over that. And also for Bill Gardner, I see Bill over here in the passing of his sister this past week. Let's remember that family in our prayers. Uh, I know there are other needs probably represented here. Let's take a moment just to get silent before the Lord. Can we do that and pray for these different needs? And then I'll, I'll pray out loud as we get, begin our service. Let's pray together. God, we have gathered this morning as a church family to corporately worship you, God. And I know in this room there are probably many needs represented this very morning, God. And we pray that you would be each one. We know that you know about each one. And God, we ask that you would give us wisdom to know what to do. If there's anything for us to do, that we would know what that is, God. But sometimes you want us to be still before you. God, just show us what we, you'd have us to do. God, I pray for these different needs. Right now, we pray for the country of Israel. God, we don't know all that's happening over there right now, but God, you do. And we pray for your people, God, that you would be with them and watch over them. And we pray that righteousness would, re, would prevail. God, we pray for the youth as they travel back from Snowbird. We pray that they've been challenged. They'll remember the things they've been challenged uh, in your word and that they would their lives would be changed and they would live differently because of it. God, we pray for Pastor and Miss Connie as they travel back soon from uh, being with family. Give them safety, God, as they travel. God, we pray for the Gurley family in this tragic loss, God, as they are mourning. We pray that you'd be with them and give them special grace and peace, God. For Bill uh, Gardner and his family, we pray that you'd be with that family in the loss of their loved one, his sister. We pray that you'd comfort and Give them peace, God. God, we pray for uh, Dr. Sam as he comes in just a few moments to share with us how Jesus is represented in the, the festival uh, that the Jews celebrate, the Feast of Tabernacles, God, and how that's all really this centered around Jesus Christ and how we can be challenged by that. God, we know that we are a day closer to Jesus' return, and we thank you for that. And we say, even pray now, even so, come Lord Jesus. God, we do pray for our country. We pray for our leadership. God, that they would turn to you, that they would trust in you, that they would seek your wisdom, God. Be with them and be with our country. God, for this service this morning, we pray that your name would be high and lifted up and glorified as we, as we sing, as we hear the message, as we give, God, in all those ways that we would worship you. Be with us in a special way during this service. 
We ask all these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Would you stand as we continue to sing about our Savior? Você 
our hope in life and death. Christ alone, Christ alone, what is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to Wasn't that wonderful worship? 
What a great God we have. What a joy it is. What a privilege to worship him, to honor his name, to lift him up and glorify him. There's nothing better this side of heaven and, prepare, and nothing more prepares us for the other side of heaven. May, may his name be blessed. Now, I, my name is Sam Nadler. I'm delighted to be with you uh, this morning. I hope you feel that way afterwards. Uh, but in any case, I have a full message to share with you uh, this morning. Uh, but I wanted to take uh, a few minutes uh, to share a few facts regarding Israel right now. I, uh, I've been getting reports uh, yesterday, I was getting reports from all my friends from their bomb shelters. Uh, they're all in their bomb shelters uh, under missile attack all the way in the south. We, do, we have a lot of ministry that goes on uh, throughout the country there. Uh, and some of our uh, uh, strong congregations in Siderot, right outside Gaza, was invaded. A number of people were taken hostage. Uh, and I was praying for the believers uh, who were taken hostage, uh, that this would be their opportunity to be a hope in the midst of darkness. I know for us it comes as a shock. We're so used to peace. Uh, take, we take it for granted in our country. We probably don't pray for it. We just take it for granted. Uh, and so also in Israel came as quite a shock uh, to all uh, the Israelis. Uh, and the believers, though, are prepared. In other words, the believers in Israel understand that this is their opportunity to be a light in the darkness, to make a difference in the world they're in. Paul and Silas, uh, in the midst of uh, a prison, uh, being enchained, nonetheless, uh, gave praise unto God through it all, and that became a testimony. Our testimony becomes relevant in the midst of testing. Uh, and so we need to be prepared, we need to be ready. Uh, reports I got this morning uh, that uh, the IDF, the uh, Israeli army, uh, had an counterattack, had started rescuing some of the hostages. And for that, we give praise to God. Uh, so I want to just mention that. Uh, there's also some other things going on. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be with you. This, I'm, I'm leaving for Israel next Sunday. And I seek your prayers. Now more than ever, as it turns out, uh, the work that we have planned over there, let me just mention to you what we want you praying for. Uh, the first thing, I'm involved in an international uh, group meeting together of leaders from around the world, meeting in Jerusalem, uh, regarding uh, Jewish ministry. Uh, pray for your prayers regarding that international opportunity. Uh, we also be meeting, I have a I've been invited to conduct a national conference for leaders, uh, believing leaders, Christian leaders uh, in Israel on the topic of discipleship and church planting. Uh, our materials are used uh, in Israel, translated, of course, there in the country. Uh, our planting book is used as a textbook at Israel College of the Bible. And so I'll be doing training with leaders uh, throughout the country and then on a local level in Beersheba, uh, down in the south, we're under tremendous missile attack. I'll be there as well, working with a local congregation, strengthening them, building them up with outreach and evangelism. So we appreciate your prayers uh, because God is at work. How many believe the promises of God are sure and amen? Say amen. amen. 
We believe that with all our heart and soul. That's why we're going to heaven. We believe the word of God that what Jesus did for us is proof positive that we're going to be in heaven. God's word assures us of that, that his death was not merely the death of a victim, but it was a savior who died in our place, proven by the resurrection from the dead. And therefore, in the promises of God, we stand and we are assured we're going to be with him forever. Those same promises are Israel's protection. And so we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Not as the world would understand, we pray that the Prince of Peace would be made known. For that's the only hope for Israel now and time to come. So please be in prayer, continue to pray. There's a lot going on there, and I'm sure you're being aware, made aware by the news accounts. Uh, but let me assure you that God has not forsaken the people whom he foreknew. Can everybody say amen to that? And so pray for me. Pray for our mission as we go back over. We're planting congregations, doing all kinds of work there in other countries as well. Our headquarters is in Charlotte. Uh, and so if I talk funny, because I come further south than you. That's the only reason. Actually, I'm a refugee from up north, uh, but I am documented. Okay. Uh, I'll be uh, in the foyer afterwards if you have other questions and comments. Uh, but you know, when uh, our Lord Jesus uh, was here ministering before he died for us, uh, he ministered in occupied territory. We have to remember uh, that Judea and the whole area, the Galilee, etc., were under Roman occupation. And what people wanted from a Messiah had nothing to do with what Yeshua, what Jesus came uh, to provide. Uh, he came to provide something that in the midst of the difficulties, the horrors, uh, and all that is going on, and some of us are going through our own difficulties. Uh, some of us may be held hostage uh, by the circumstances of life. Uh, you're praying for deliverance as well. Uh, some of you may be held in bondage to habits uh, that you only can hope that God will deliver you from, and he will, as we trust in him and look to him. He is the one who came to set the captives free. But as we understand uh, the time there in the first century, when Rome had its uh, heel on the neck of the Jewish people, Jesus came to give a message that in the midst of their circumstances, they would have victory, that they would be a light in the darkness, they would be an instrument of grace to the people around them. And that's why we just got finished celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and uh, we had a lot of outreach. We had a lot of people saved all over, uh, in many different countries, of course. Uh, the last night uh, was the, the, the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and we had a lot of outreach. Uh, we thank you for your prayers, uh, for those who remember our mission in prayer. Uh, and so before we get to the word, I just want to encourage you to pray for us. Uh, that's why we put this envelope in that bulletin. I hope you have the bulletin. Uh, take notes on it. The scriptures will be on the screens. Uh, the outline, though, is in the bulletin and other information. But if you take out the envelope for just a moment, I just want to make mention to you that we have a newsletter. Uh, we can send it to you by snail mail or email or however you wish to receive it. So you can learn more of what God's doing amongst Jewish people here and around the world. Uh, we want you to be in prayer for these matters, that you may give 
uh, praise to God for the wonderful things he's accomplishing uh, with all the churches that are being planted. We call them messianic congregations uh, because uh, most of my people, uh, they don't understand, uh, and understandably so, they don't understand uh, that the word Christ means Messiah. Uh, just like we sang, Jesus, Messiah. They don't know that the word Christ means Messiah. And so we call them messianic congregations to communicate uh, that he is the hope of Israel. He is the savior of the world and the hope of Israel, the only hope for our country as well. So if you fill out this envelope, uh, we'll be glad to send you our newsletter or make sure it's given to you in whatever way is convenient so you can keep us in prayer. Uh, there'll be ushers at the door, just place it in there in those plates that they'll be holding. Uh, let me just mention, uh, for some of you may recognize, it's an envelope. Uh, that being said, I want to note to you, uh, we are totally a faith mission. We trust God for all of our needs, uh, for everything that the Lord has called us to do. We trust he'll supply for our needs. Uh, and so we believe him for our outreaches going on around the world as well. Uh, but that being said, I want to say something straightforwardly uh, to y'all. See, I come from Charlotte. Actually, I, I grew up in the deep south of New York State. <laughs> but in any case, uh, we believe in the ministry of the local church. That's why we plant congregations in Jewish communities around the world. Because we believe the local congregation is the most effective long-term witness to reach the Jewish community and other people around them. That's why we do it. I believe in the ministry of this church. Don't give anything to our work that would take away from your proper giving to your home congregation. You'll break my heart if you do. And only as the Lord would abundantly bless you above your normal giving in that regards, we'll be thankful for your prayerful consideration of our evangelistic and church planting work uh, both here and everywhere else. But in any case, fill out the envelope Please remember us in prayer as we move forward with the good news of our Savior. Uh, and so um, there'll be uh, free literature on the table. It's uh, on the right as you leave uh, the sanctuary. Uh, there's also some not-so-free literature there. Uh, my wife's latest book, she's actually working now on a two-volume book uh, for women and how Messiah, the healer of women, uh, please remember her in prayer. She's active in women's ministries. Uh, but in any case, uh, her stuff is just gold. Uh, her book, Compassion and Redemption, deal with the women in the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew and how those five women were brought into the, uh, the lineage of the Messiah by grace, the same way we're brought into the family of God as well. I think you find it exciting. Uh, you may also, in light of the days we live in, uh, be interested in my book, Messiah in the End Times. What God is doing and certain what he will be doing. But I have to say, to you know, spoiler alert, uh, I, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Uh, let the listener beware of where I stand on these matters. Uh, and uh, a book that will be relevant to what we'll be studying this morning, Messiah and the Feast of Israel, uh, we'll want to note that everything I'm touching upon is more fully developed uh, in the books. That's why I write books, as a matter of fact. Uh, some of you are looking at me a little squirrely, like you don't like to read books. Well, okay. 
We have it on DVD just for you, so you're without excuse, okay? But in any case, let's get to the Word of God uh, and understanding what Jesus can do in the times when there's wars and rumors of wars. And during the age we're in, there's wars and rumors of wars. Don't be surprised. We are called to the front lines of spiritual warfare. Uh, it is hand-to-hand -hand combat. It is, it is a fight to the death. Uh, the enemy is prowling like a lion seeking we might devour. And he wants to destroy your heart, your home, and our communities. And so we want to understand the resources we have to fight the good fight of faith. That even if we are in situations that are beyond our control, we have a purpose, we have a testimony to share with others who have no hope, who don't know where to turn. And so please notice the first verse we'll look at from John chapter 7 and verse 2. John 7 verse 2, there you go. Uh, and by the way, uh, now we all have the same version, let's read it all together. Uh, as you see it on the screen, we're going to read it together in unison. Here we go. Now, the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near. Stop there. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, we are a thankful people because of who you are. Uh, whether it is our calling in life or our calling unto death, uh, we want to glorify you. And so together we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, we pray for uh, peace that surpasses all comprehension, though. Not merely uh, a cessation of fighting. Oh, 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 we do desire that, Lord. We do desire that. But we understand the greater peace that is needed in the souls of Palestinians and Israelis. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we pray for the Palestinian people. We pray for the destruction of Hamas and Hezbollah, that the Palestinian people might be set free from the dominion of darkness, from the bondage that they are in, that they might come to salvation in our Lord Jesus. And so we also pray for the Israeli people, uh, for the Jewish people in Israel, that you would also deliver them, Lord, from the bondage of false religion that they might know the relationship with the living God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, they might actually see the fulfillment of the very promises that they depend upon. And even as we look at them this morning, we pray you'll stir our own hearts, that we might leave here as your instruments of grace and good news to others who don't know where to turn, uh, that your name may be glorified in all ways. In all this we pray, but we pray, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach Adonainu, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. So John has the nerve to say in John chapter 7, verse 2, about the Feast of Tabernacles. What was he putting that in for? Was he getting paid by the word, and therefore he just added some unnecessary details? No, no, his gospel, of course, is the one that tells us every single thing that's been put into that gospel was put there for one purpose, for a testimony that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. And so this was put in there, this very verse was put in there to prove that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You say, well, I don't understand. What do you mean? John assumed that all believers in Jesus, then and now, would understand the festivals of Israel, and that's why he outlined his gospel accordingly. 
We know how long Jesus served before he died for our sins because uh, the Gospel of John is outlined by various Passovers. And so John put this verse in there in order to give us a heads up on what is going on in chapters to follow. And ch this verse therefore tells us that the next three chapters, chapter 7, 8, and 9 of of John has to do with the Feast of Tabernacles. What Jesus will be speaking about in these three chapters regards the Feast of Tabernacles. And John put that in there because he thought we would all know this. But unfortunately, from the second century, uh, what started uh, seeping into the body of Christ was kind of an anti-Jewish posture where Christians are told that this has nothing to do with them when John thought it did. Can you imagine having such silly traditions that would make you uh, forget what the, what the Bible actually says here? And so I want to just, for those visitors with us who may not be aware of the Feast of Tabernacles, let me just let you know what we do on our outreaches and what's done in Jewish communities. Uh, we use everything is for the gospel. You say, well, what makes you say that? Well, the, the gospel makes me say that. It says in John chapter 5, verse 39, he's speaking to religious people, and he says there, you think, uh, you study the scriptures thinking therein you have eternal life, but it is me that the scriptures speak. It's about Jesus. The scriptures, all the scriptures are speaking about Jesus. He's the substance, Colossians 2, 17, of all the festivals. They're all about him. He is the fulfillment of it all. And God has called us. That's why John put it in his gospel. Because God has called Jews and Gentiles alike. He's called us all to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He called us all to show the faithfulness of God to Israel. Not only praying times of warfare, but to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to them now and moving forward. And so we want to understand this matter. And so if you were with us in our outreaches, you might see us waving branches. You say, you guys are weird. Well, that could be true. <laughs> but it doesn't mean we're wrong. So understand we're waving branches. And we have out of the branches, we make these little boothy little things, little tabernacles, little boothy looking things uh, called uh, Sukkot booths. But nonetheless, tabernacles little fragile, frail things, uh, and we're waving our branches, and we're singing from the uh, praise psalm, Psalm 113 through 118, the Hallel, or praise psalms. And so we do this, and we proclaim the good news through it all, as you'll see this morning. But in any case, you say, well, that's just a little weird for me. I understand, I understand. Uh, but it's because of what the scriptures teach. Let's take a look, if we will, what the scriptures teach from Leviticus chapter 23. It's in your bulletin. It's now on the screen. You have an eye exam behind me there. Uh, you have a bulletin, though. If, if that's hard to read, uh, we have a little helper here for you. But I'm going to want you to, uh, in your own heart, read along with me. I'm going to want to make certain comments so you won't read out loud with me right now. Let's take a look at what it says there. Uh, in Leviticus 23, verse 39, on exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, 
when you have gathered in the, the crops of the land, it's a harvest festival. Uh, this is the biblical feast of thanksgiving. Many scholars think this is what the pilgrims were referring to when they had a thanksgiving day. Because this is the biblical feast of thanksgiving, the harvest festival, etc. Uh, and so you can understand uh, where the branches come from. And it goes on to say here, uh, when you've gathered the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of tabernacles to the Lord for seven days. And so we celebrate for seven days with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Eight days, but seven days of celebration. The eighth day, a solemn assembly. And so verse 40 says, now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, boughs of leafy trees, willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. This is why we wave the branches. Why? Because we are testifying that God is our provider. We praise God that he is our provider. And we give him praise in so doing by the waving of the branches, rejoicing before him for his provision uh, in the harvest. And now we take those branches and do something else with them. Notice, if you will, read on with me, verse 42. And you shall live in booths. You see that? Or tabernacles, same word uh, in the Hebrew. Uh, uh, booths, tabernacle, the Greek word skene, as we'll get to. But the point of the matter is, we took these branches and then made booths out of them as well. Uh, little fragile looking things would look like anyone could huff and puff and blow that house down. And so we walk, you say, what do you mean? Well, we live in those booths. Notice what it says here, verse 42, you shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths. Why? Verse 43. So that your generations may know that had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. And so those booths represent uh, what it was like for us coming out of Egypt on our way to the promised land, going through the wilderness. It says God had us live in booths little fragile-looking things, but that doesn't seem very safe. <laughs> that doesn't, no, that's the point of the matter. It appeared fragile indeed, but that was the point of the matter because God is our protector. He is our sufficiency. He is our security. And so, therefore, when the New Testament was being written uh, by the apostles, we want to understand they, uh, this is how they looked at things. And so we want to appreciate, if we may, that when John said, you know, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then he said in verse 14 of John 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The older English translations say, and tabernacled amongst us. The Word for these booze. Jesus is our booth. He is our security. He is our, you're complete in Christ. Can I hear an amen? 
Okay, pray for this side of the room. I was expecting better because certain people are sitting here, I just want to say. Uh, yes, I'm talking about you, Brother Kevin. Okay, but understand. Understand that he is our all in all. He's our everything. He is our sufficiency. He is our security. He is our provider. Uh, in him you are complete. He is our everything in our life. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in? Are you in the booth? This is where Paul got the theological idea that we take for granted about being in Christ, being in the booth. Being in the booth came out of this Feast of Tabernacles. You're in the booth for the protection of God. In Christ, we have our protection. And so this was the backdrop of so much of our New Testament scriptures as we understand it. And so it says there would be a testimony, so we use it for testimony. And we see Jewish people getting saved uh, all over the world as we utilize these festivals to glorify the Messiah, our Lord Jesus. And God has been doing some great things. And so I want to understand that's, that, that's part of it. But I want to share with you something else. If you were there in the first century while Jesus was still here ministering before he died for our sins, and before he was raised from the dead, ascended unto the Father, and poured out the Holy Spirit. Before all of that, if, when he was here, uh, and he would, there were certain ceremonies that were conducted in the temple in Jerusalem about the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booze, uh, the Sukkot as it is in Hebrew, the Feast of Sekene, but nonetheless, ceremonies that reflected the Feast of Tabernacles that cannot be conducted any longer because the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Let me just mention one of those festivals. This, and all this information you find in my books, of course, uh, comes out of the historical writings, uh, first source on everything. But all the historical writings, uh, the Talmud, etc., from the first century. But nonetheless, the point being, that on the first day of those seven days of celebration, uh, the first day, all the crowds would come, all the pilgrims, yes, we had pilgrims first, just to remind you, uh, all the pilgrims came from all over three times a year, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, to celebrate the Lord there at the temple in Jerusalem. And so the temple area was completely filled with pilgrims waving their branches on the first day a priest would come out of the temple holding a golden pitcher. This is not real gold. <laughs> Do not mug me in the parking lot for it. It's not worth it, not worth it. But he would come out with a golden pitcher uh, and he would walk from the temple down to the pool of Siloam, you know, in John chapter 5, the pool of Siloam, followed by all these branch-waving pilgrims, and they would all be singing the praise psalms from Psalm 113 through 118. He would get down to the pool of Siloam, pick up a pitcher of water, turn around, march back up to the temple, followed by all these branch-waving pilgrims singing the praise psalms as he got back to the temple, they're finishing Psalm 118. If you remember some of the famous verses from that, 
you may remember. The stone which the builders rejected hath become the chief of the corner. This is the day the Lord has made. Uh, and we will be glad and rejoice in it. The day when he's become the chief of the corner. And so in that same psalm, as they got close to the temple, it says there, and I have it in your bulletins for further study if you wish, uh, there we find in verse 25, the scripture says there, Hoshiana. And when they got to the temple and the priest enters back in with the golden pitcher of water, all the crowds are crying out, Hoshiana, which means save us now. Now we have that word in English, Hoshiana in English is Hosanna. 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 That means save us now. Hosanna. And so we want to understand what they were crying out. Can you imagine coming from all over the world to go there and, and proclaim uh, faith and therefore trust in God for what he alone could provide? Uh, what would they, I want you all to cry out together with me. Uh, it's Hosanna. Are you ready? One, and I'm hoping for good stuff on this side of the room. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hosanna. Better. Okay. All right. Hosanna. And they cried out with all their heart because that's what they wanted. They wanted the salvation. And when they cried that out, it was as the priest was going around the altar. He made a circuit around the altar and then poured out the water, praying for God to provide what only God can give. Salvation like water on a dry and a thirsty land. And so that went on the first day, the second day, the third day, the same thing, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, down to the pool of Siloam, back up, uh, praising the Lord, uh, back in, and what would they cry out? One, two, three. Oh, don't weaken, you got to get stronger, not weaker, okay. Uh, so they cry out, Hosanna, with all their heart, as the priest pours out the water. That went on the first six days. But on the seventh day of the seventh feast, in the seventh month, you say, what's all these sevens? The word for oath, O-A-T-H, oath in Hebrew, is the same word for the word seven, a slight difference, same root. In other words, seven reminds us God fulfills his oath. That's why there's so many sevens in the scriptures. And so there on that seventh day of that seven feet in the seventh month, the priest comes out with the golden pitcher, the branch-waving pilgrims follow him down to the pool of Siloam. He grabs a pitcher of water, goes back up uh, to the, uh, the temple there on that seventh day called Hashanah Rabbah, the great Hosanna, uh, the great day of the feast, the great Hosanna. And so they follow him back up to the temple. And when he goes in there, they're at the end of Psalm 118, 25. And what are they crying out again? One, two, three. Hosanna, with all their heart. But now on that seventh day, the priest goes in and makes seven circuits around the altar, and the crowd goes into a greater and greater frenzy, crying out for what God alone can give. What are they crying out? One, two, three. Hosanna. 
with all their heart, with all their heart. This is what they desired. This is what they desired. And then the priest pours out the water, praying for what God alone can give on a dry and a thirsty land, and maybe our hearts are thirsty as well. And we can understand crying out. We can understand the families in Israel right now desperate for information on family members who are taken hostage, in mourning for so many that have been killed, uh, in distraught not knowing what will come next. We can understand. Maybe we're going through our own periods of time, our own struggles, and our hearts are thirsty too. And so we want to appreciate how they desired it and why we understand these things. It was in light of this situation that our Lord Jesus goes up to the temple. Let's take a look at why they were having this ceremony. Turn to Zechariah, if you will, and Isaiah. Please notice on the screen from Zechariah, on Zechariah uh, chapter 14, verse 16. Notice what it says there. Read it. Let's read that verse together. You can see it on the screen. Uh, or in your bulletin, let's read it out loud together. Here we go. Then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't know everything we'll be doing in the kingdom period, but I know one thing we'll be doing. We'll be celebrating the feast of what? Aren't you glad you came this morning? You'll be prepared. All the other nations, they won't know what to do. You'll have to show them, won't you? Okay. And so, uh, isn't that kind of poetic justice? It said there are all the nations that came against Jerusalem. Can you imagine all the Palestinians having to go up to Jerusalem and worship the king? And we know who the king is, don't we? He is the king of kings, who according to Matthew 25, will sit on his glorious throne during the kingdom period there in Jerusalem. And so we understand that we worship, this is the glory for the nations. Understand the feast of trumpets, or what's called, uh, what's called uh, Rosh Hashanah uh, by most of my people. Uh, the feast of trumpets speaks of the glory for the church. Uh, how the church will be raptured, the body Messiah raptured, and the day of atonement, uh, the glory for Israel, when Israel will therefore have a kingdom again. And now the glory for the nations as they rejoice before their glorious Lord during that period. What a glorious time it will be. And so we want to understand because of what the prophets made of the Feast of Tabernacles. That not only as Moses wrote would it be for the harvest, but for the greater harvest. The fields are white unto harvest, Jesus said. For the greater harvest of the nations, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. And so we see here the greater harvest being brought in. Read with me now uh, what Isaiah wrote about this period of time and why they developed the ceremonies accordingly. Read, if you will, with me, Isaiah 12 and 44. Here we go. Out loud. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land. 
streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descent. Wow. This is why they had the water drawing ceremony. Because they looked to the one who can give them salvation. The one who would pour it out upon them through the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. And so we want to understand what it meant. This is where they got their information for the ceremonies uh, that were looking for what God alone can do and what he would provide in the Messiah. And so when we come now back to the Gospel of John, in John chapter 7, we see that Jesus waited till later in the week of tabernacles before he went up to the temple. And so we come now to John chapter 7, verse 37. John 7, verse 37. You say, well, what do you mean? Let's read, if we will, John 7. Uh, I'm going to read it out loud. You just follow along in your hearts with me, if you will. John 7, 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, we know exactly when that took place, don't we? We understand this was the uh, great day of the feast, whatever translation that is, I forgive you. But nonetheless, there it was, the last day. And we know what was going on, don't we? Remember the crowds and the priests going into the temple? And remember what they were crying out in a greater and greater frenzy? What were they crying out? One, two, three. Hosanna. Hosanna. And that's why Jesus, it says here, stood up and cried out. He had to be heard above the din of the people. He had to cry out that they might hear what he brought to the table and what he brings to your life even now. He cried out, if anyone is thirsty, and who would be? They've been praying for, crying out for this salvation. The one thing their hearts needed is the one thing a ceremony could not give them you cannot get any life out of a ceremony. It only comes, not ceremonies for God, but the Son of God, he is the one. And therefore he cries out, if anyone is thirsty, uh, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. Now, some of us here might have said, well, I, I came to him 25 years ago. I came to him 40 years ago. Uh, how many people here have come, come to Jesus uh, for salvation more than 10 years ago. Raise your hand if you can. Okay. Oh, what a group of senior saints we have here, don't we? Praise the Lord. Uh, but uh, let me mention to you, you may be thinking to yourself, you know, I, I'm getting really dry. Uh, I know I, I drank from 25 years ago. For some reason, I'm going through situations and trials and difficulties. And I, I don't know, why am I, feeling, why am I feeling like I'm caught up in anger? Or why am I caught up in fear? Why is my mind confused because of my soul? What's going on here? What's going on here? And so I just want to mention to you what the Bible says here. He says, let him come to me and drink. Both come and drink are a present imperative. A command, a present tense command, which means... Every time you're thirsty, come to him. Every time you're thirsty, come to him. 
It's not just, you know, well, I came into him in salvation. Well, praise God for that. But you did not come into a religious activity. You came into a relationship with God. And how many of you have been married for more than 10 years? Raise your hand. About the same number of people. Okay. Let's understand. Okay, imagine getting married. And the last time you had dinner with your wife was on your wedding night. You say, that would be weird. Right. So also with the living God, we're in a relationship with him. And therefore, we abide in him, we bear much fruit. If we depend on him, we run this race looking unto Jesus. We therefore find in him the sufficiency for our souls when we get thirsty, when we go through our difficulties, when we go through our trials. Even as I've been praying for those who are taken hostage, that some of the believers who are taken hostage might therefore be a testimony in the midst of it all. That in the midst of it all, they have a resource for living. In the midst of their trials, in the midst of their horrors, they have a, they have a reason to live. They have a sufficiency for life. For he is our provider. He is our protector. He is the one who cares for us. And so we want to understand this first thing, that we need to come to him and come to him quickly. Because he summons each of the thirsty people to come to him. And if that's you, come quickly. You say, well, what difference will it make? Let me show you. Verse 38, John 7, 38. Let's read that verse together. Here we go. Now, he's, what he's doing here, he is paraphrasing Isaiah 58, verse 11. That's what's going on in this verse. So let's read it out loud together. Here we go. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What? What? Rivers of living. We come to him, you know, coming to him, he says, come to me and drink. That means believing. Believing on him. So we, we believe on him. Present tense, we continue to believe in him. We continue to have faith in him, of course. And we, we walk with him, etc. But if we believe on him, what will happen? We come to him when we're thirsty. And we receive from enough, not only for our life, but through our life. You say, I don't understand what he means. Rivers of living water from our innermost being. What does that mean? Listen, we've been getting some good rain. I'm very thankful for that. But I remember a few years back when we had drought uh, in this area. Uh, and I was looking at what we laughingly call my yard, a little patch of dirt there. And it looked like the Mojave Desert. The poor thing needed some water. And I looked at that poor, pathetic thing, and all of a sudden, a few drops of rain started falling uh, from above. I got excited. I said, great, there's some rain, but there wasn't that much. It just seemed like a little sprinkle. Didn't seem like, I looked at the poor patch of ground, and I couldn't see any puddles. Why couldn't I see any puddles? As it turns out, the ground first has to be saturated before the excess, the puddles, appear. So also for us. We come to Jesus because of our needs. We recognize our need for what only he can do. We have needs in our life and in our heart and in our soul. We have needs in our relationships. We may be financial needs or health needs, whatever it may be. There may be all kinds of circumstances we're struggling through. And therefore, we come to Jesus because of our needs. And he gives us sufficiency, but not just sufficiency for our life but that we might be an instrument of grace to others, overflowing with the good news. We become his instruments of living water 
instruments of living water from our souls to others as we proclaim the good news, both here and in Israel and every other country in the world. And so we want to understand the very calling we have. The Feast of Tabernacles, a time when the king reigns on his glorious throne. And we are those people that demonstrate what it means to have Jesus on the throne of our heart. We are his living demonstration model of those people in the midst of their trials and difficulties and problems have the resource that he brings because he's our sufficiency. We have security in the times of difficulty because he is our protector. We have our all in all in him and therefore we live him out. And so we want to understand these things from the scriptures, but John was explaining to people who may not have got the background as you did. Verse 39, as we close here. John 7, verse 39. Read it with, uh, I'm going to read it because i got to break it down into parts. Here we go. Read along, though, in your heart. But this he spoke of the Spirit. Now, we saw that from Isaiah, remember? We saw that the Spirit of God poured out on your descendants. So we understand exactly what is being spoken of here. This he spoke of the Spirit, the water, of course, an image of the Spirit of God. Uh, you say, well, hold it a second. Uh, how do I get some of that Spirit of God, you know? Well, notice what the Bible says about it. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. What? Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. I know there's all kinds of false teaching that's going on about the Holy Spirit. Understand, when you come to faith in Jesus, when you believe, you receive. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the love of God is poured out into your heart through the Holy Spirit who's given unto us, Romans 5, 5. You receive all of him. Now, he may not yet have received all of you, there may be areas of your life, relationships, etc., that you have some real dry spots, some droughts going on in certain areas of your soul or your circumstances, but you want to turn those over to him because where he reigns, that's when there's life-giving refreshment. That's where the waters of life are being poured out and through your life. That's where the areas of testimony become. And so it says there he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given. Remember what I mentioned. Jesus not yet, in John 7, had not yet died for sins. Jesus had not yet been bodily raised from the dead. Jesus had not yet uh, ascended unto the right hand of the Father. And therefore, Jesus had not yet poured out the Holy Spirit. Understand at that point what Jesus said in John 14, 17, the Spirit who is with you will be in you. He had not yet poured out the Holy Spirit who would be indwelling us and empowering us from within. Uh, therefore, we want to understand the timing of this. Uh, the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given. Now, I want you to catch the issue here that is vital for our souls to understand what the Feast of Tabernacles meant then and now for each believer. Understand it says, therefore, the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet what? He was not yet what? When he is glorified, that's when the Spirit works. When you're going through your trials and your difficulties and your problems, and you're given into temptation, 
You're given into fear, maybe to tell a lie when you're under pressure. Or maybe to do those things you know are improper. When you have those temptations and situations you're going through. What you do instead is you look unto Jesus. You look unto Jesus and glorify him. And when you're tempted to lie, you say, no, Lord, I will. You are the truth. I will walk in the truth. I will speak the truth in love. And therefore, you are glorified. And that's when the Spirit of God is given, empowering us, bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit. You say, the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. You say, what are you talking about here? I'm saying that the fruit of the Spirit is not the root of the Spirit. The root of the Spirit is abiding in Jesus, and you bear much fruit. You must look to him, trust him, depend on him. In the midst of your trials and difficulties, yield your life to him, not to the temptation. Trust in him, depend on him. As you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him, Colossians 2.6. Believe on him, and then the Spirit of God will do his work. Are the areas of your life that you have not entrusted to Jesus? Areas of relationship that have gone bad because you have not lived for the Lord in those situations. Going through problems and issues and difficulty. You have a choice. If you go through those situations, trusting in Jesus, you will come out like gold. You'll be better. But if you go those, through those situations, and when you give in to anger and fear and guilt and all the rest of it, without Jesus, you come out of it bitter, not better. Are you bitter or better? You see, that, that makes a difference. Trusting in Jesus through it all. This is how we grow in him, how we glorify him all the more. And so we want to appreciate the Feast of Tabernacles. The early church, therefore, while the apostles were around, utilized these festivals to reorient their life around him. That's what we must do. We reorient our life around him. That he would be enthroned in our soul that we might be a living demonstration model to those who don't know where to turn or what to do in their situations and trials. We are here to be a testimony, an instrument of his grace and good news and living waters to all who will believe. And so we want to bring our hearts to him right now. Even as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, some of us may need that peace in our soul, in our families in our community. Let's bring it all to him right now. As we bow our hearts before God, we, and we close our eyes just to concentrate, but we open our hearts to God. He hears our hearts, not just the words of our lips, but the meditations of our heart. He hears it all. And so let's bring our hearts before him. If you're here this morning and you have not trusted in Jesus yet, now is your opportunity. Now is your opportunity to trust in him. That in the midst of your trials and difficulties, he will be your sufficiency and your security. He is the great provider. He is the great protector. Come to him and drink. Come to him. Believe on him. And he will forgive sins and bring fullness of life. If you're a, a believer already, but there's been a lot of dry spots, a lot of drought, a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of fear, a lot of guilt. Come to him in those areas. Cast your cares upon him.
because he cares for you. Whatever your need is, God hears your heart. Pray with me this simple prayer in your heart. Pray with me right now. Dear God, forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my fears. Forgive me for my guilt through your guilt offering. Forgive me for my habits. For you are the bondage breaker. You set the captives free. And so even as we pray for Israel, for the restoration of the hostages, so we pray for those of us that have been held hostage by fear, by guilt, by anger, unforgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. For we give thanks in the name of Jesus. And while everyone's eyes are still closed in prayer, I want to pray for you before I turn it over to my brother for dismissal. Right where you are seated, right where you are, I want to pray for you right where you are. If you prayed that prayer with me for salvation, to have new life, to have forgiveness of your sins, to have the, the life of God even, the Holy Spirit, the life of God to indwell you right where you are, right where you are. Just raise your hand once, right where you're seated. Just raise your hand once. I just want to pray for you wherever you are. Just raise your hand once. So I, yes, sir. Anyone else, just raise your hand once, right where you are, so I can pray for you. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see yours as well. Absolutely. Anyone else, just raise your hand once. I just want to pray for you right where you are. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Amen. Anyone else, just raise your hand once. Father, you see our hands, you see our hearts, you know us and you love us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Even now we pray that you'll confirm to our hearts not only the truth of your love, but the fullness of our salvation. For in Messiah we are complete. We thank you, Lord. Now send us from here to be your instruments of good news to those we encounter. And may the prayers of this congregation go before me as I go to Israel to share your message of salvation and hope to a nation that is in desperate need of good news. For all this we give thanks, for in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer with me, there's a place on this envelope. Uh, to check off what you prayed, place in the plate, because we want to keep you in prayer, even as we want you praying for us. And please let your pastors know what God is doing in your life as well. God bless you. Shalom.